Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly presented by Whiskerware Apparel along with Chuck Davidson and Doc Lang. I'm Lyle Stokes and tonight we are going to be talking about uh, post-spawn activity. We've got a few things we're going to go over first and we'll let everybody in on that. Uh, one of the things and, and as far as I'm concerned right now the most important thing that we need to talk about as far as a current event is our friend uh, Paul Shrouth. Paul has had an accident and has burned over 70% of his body. Uh, he is in desperate need of prayers. There is some um, uh, places that you can log on to and financially assist them. Uh, Steve Douglas has set up a FundMe account and you can go to Steve's uh, Facebook page and donate money to this. It's a very worthwhile cause and uh, in the shape that Paul's in, there is an extreme amount of expense with what Tammy and the rest of the families have to going to go through with traveling and, and and all the stuff that it takes to be with them. And and if you can help them, please do. Uh, Big Cat Fever Rods, I believe Jason Huggins uh, is the is a guy that I'm familiar with that, that's on that. You can get a hold of them. I think they're doing a raffle for him. Uh, outstanding uh, way to do that. Uh, get a hold of those guys. Uh, find out for sure. I'm pretty sure that's the right the right people. But I know Jason has something to do with that. Uh, he's he's a pro staff for him or or something. And uh, you can buy raffle tickets and and this money will be donated to the family. This is something that we really really need to jump on and help these people out. Paul is the winner. Him and Tammy and, and their partner won the Winter Blues on Wheeler in January. He goes to a lot of big tournaments. He's been Dave uh, Ashby's partner a long time off and on for several years. He's a really good guy, one of the true good guys in the sport. And uh, if there's any possible way that anybody can help Paul, then I think that uh, that's the thing to do. What do you think about that, Chuck? Is there anything I've missed on that? He's muted. He's not there, is he? No. I think, I, I think it's Warrior Cat Rods that's doing the raffle. Okay, it may be. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I know Jason Huggins is... Is yeah. uh, is involved with that, and you get a hold of Jason, he'll straighten you out. Yeah, whatever I'm wrong with, he can he can straighten you out, and he'll be glad to do it. I know. Yeah, but I think there's going to be a lot of more, you know, a lot more people jumping on board doing things. Um, you know, it's it's such a short amount of time, you know, to to plan events and stuff. But I believe there's going to be a lot of that going on here within the next two or three weeks. Uh, there's going to be some events popping up to, uh, you know, to help if trying to get some sponsors on board for you know giveaways uh, so more more prize money can go back to uh, the cause instead of in people's pockets well, um, that's good that's the way it should be done yeah if the, if the sponsors can step up and give away some stuff for the guys who place um, you know that that way they they'll be leaving with something for all their efforts and you know the more of the prize money can go to where it's needed. My understanding with the rod deal was you buy raffle tickets and they're going to donate the rods and all the money would go to that. But like I say, Jason Huggins is, is the one I, the gentleman I'm familiar with and you can contact him and he will get you the correct information. Uh, Doc, have you heard any uh, anything about any of this stuff? No, that's just those 
what Steve Douglas put up and uh, what Warrior Cat Rods put up. That's all I've heard. Okay. All right. Well, keep keep Paul in your prayers, people, and uh, I know that him and Tammy will appreciate it. Uh, good people, and and uh, uh, it's a shame that this happened, but it could have been any one of the rest of us that it happened to. It just happened not to be this time. So uh, when you're working on them boats, people, be very safe and cautious and, and pay attention to what you're doing so it doesn't, we don't have to go through this with, with someone else. Yeah. I have a story that I would like to share with everybody, and I just, you know, I talked to Doc about it and, and I told uh, Chuck about it beforehand. And uh, this is a little off the beaten path. It doesn't really have anything to do with catfishing, but it's a safety thing that uh, people need to be aware of. One of the things, one of my favorite things to fish is rivers, as you well know. And, and one of my favorite places to fish on the rivers is around dams. Uh, that's the biggest piece of structure on the uh, biggest piece of structure on any river. And uh, they usually hold a lot of fish, sometimes on the top side, sometimes on the bottom side. There was a story in the St. Louis uh, News that uh, someone forwarded me that was on Channel 5, I believe it was, down there. A gentleman rented a Sea-Doo from a place down there and was riding around and run into the top side of the dam. Now, how in the world he ever got past the marker on that that tells you not to go 600 feet away from that is beyond me, so I'm guessing the guy probably could read. Uh, but he read good enough to rent this, this sea-doo. He run into the top of the dam and it sucked him under and he went through a lock. It drug him down 17 feet below the level and he lived through it and popped out the other side on the downside of the dam. Uh, if he had to have a life jacket on, he would have never survived that. I, I can't imagine that happened to me, uh, and having enough air to last to get through there, 17 feet on both. You know, I just can't imagine that. But um, wow. this this is a severe case of dumbassery. I don't care how else to put it. You know, that's simple as that. But my point of this is uh, safety. You you if you're on a sea do, if you're in a boat, it doesn't matter. Safety's got to be the first. Uh, thing that you guys are thinking about if you're by a dam, if you're close to a wing dike, if you're out mainstream of the of the river and you're drifting down it, safety is is the main concern on water and you don't have to be afraid of it, but you got to give that old girl her respect. She's earned it and she's going to get it one way or the other. Uh, but somebody that that just runs into the top side of a dam and gets sucked through. I really can't feel sorry for them for something happening to them because them things are posted. There's plenty of signs and markers that tells you not to go any past this point and, and to be that ignorant and get sucked under 17 feet and then drugged through the dam lock and kicked up on the other side. I just can't imagine anybody um, that dumb being able to rent a machine to ride, that's just unbelievable to me, but uh, then again, what, what do I know? Survive. I, I can't either. I can't either. I, like I said, if I was pulled down 17 feet under the water, and then you got to pop back up on the other side, not including the time it takes to go through that span of that lock, I'd never had enough air to last that long. There ain't no way. Man. It just wouldn't have happened. So, uh, 
Uh, how he survived that is beyond me. They they had the story on uh, on the news channel. I can say I believe it was Channel Five. Someone sent that link to me, and I watched it, and was in disbelief that the guy was walking. Uh, and they was trying to interview him. He was walking away from this, and they showed a picture of the sea dew and and had it hooked up to the uh, truck. And and I'm just thinking, my God, and there it, there's no way. <laughs> That anybody should ever survive that, and this guy's going to live to tell his grandkids about it. So, uh, safety, safety. We got it. We got to keep that in mind. You ever hear anything like that, old Chuck? Uh, not that bad. That's uh, <laughs> that's a pretty. But uh, speaking of safety, I got a um, I got something to wear at night. Uh, I got this orange Gore-Tex jacket. It's all reflective. The whole inside is a reflector. The whole inside material. Um, you know, I can I can just point the spotlight at my jacket, stand up in the boat, and it just glows. Um, I want to make sure I'm seen out there on that boat. You know, and I think that's going to work out pretty good having this bright jacket because, you know, these guys, if they look up from their GPS long enough, they may see me. Um, you know, I've had them come really close, which tells me that they're they're driving by their GPS. Um, you know, and that's very dangerous. I, I want to give somebody every chance to be able to see me. Um, you know, without you know damaging my fishing too bad. So, I, you know, I thought this bright clothing may help uh, when I'm out. You know, night fishing. Um, and, you know, in, on early foggy mornings, it, it gets really bad down here too. Right, I understand. You know, Doc, he was talking about them bright clothes. I think that's a great idea. Uh, yeah. I, you know, we may look into some of that stuff. But in your case, in my case, if somebody would just shine that spotlight off the top of our head, I think we'd probably be good to go. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, it'd be daylight. <laughs> I think they done saw the moon. Yeah. <laughs> you take you have any preparations for for nights or low light things that you do? Um, I don't do all that much night fishing. If I do, it's on a lake. Uh, now when we're on the lake, you know, we we've got the little glow sticks uh, that are uh, affixed to the poles and stuff like that. Uh, there is one lake here in Ohio that gets kind of man. The, the people just kind of that live on the lake uh, seem like they they can drive around with no lights on and stuff like that. And uh, I get real fearful when I'm on that lake. But uh, I, I'm I'm like one of them little kids. I've got those neck bracelets on, and I got brace those uh, glow stick bracelets around my wrist, and I got one around my neck. And, just to keep from getting run over. Right, so, right. You know, well, again, I, I'm like Chuck. I want to make sure somebody sees me. Yeah, it, it, don't, take, really, it don't take long, uh, you know, to jump up on somebody and every tenth of a second or a hundredth of a second notice you can give them that's that much faster they can react, um, you know, to, to swerve to miss you and, you know, if you need to try to get out of their way at the same time, but yeah, I, mean, I truly believe yeah. it. I've come, I mean, just in the past two years, I've come so close. Um, you know, because the people's not paying attention. 
And a lot of times I think I really surprised them because they wasn't expecting somebody to be there at that crazy hour. But they are people out there at those crazy hours. Oh, yeah. There's there's people that fish is, uh, you know, night and day, all night, all day. Uh, thank you. And they're going to be... They're going to be out there, and and uh, we're now nearing a hundred degree weather. I mean, it's been really close to that around here for uh, a week. Uh, today was a little bit better, but still pretty darn miserable. But uh, when it gets like that, nighttime is one of my favorite times to fish, and uh, not because I think the fish bite any better, but you know that's that's a debatable subject. Maybe we hit on that sometime. But uh, I just th I just am more comfortable, and and uh, most of you have seen those big, huge lights that I have on my boat on extendable poles, and we put it up in there. Now, if somebody's coming down there, and I don't know that they see me, I whip them babies around. I mean, them LED lights are really bright. They shine a long way, and they can see them. And uh, I've had barge guys when we had them turned around that you know they see the lights. They'll shine their light on me to let me know they see me. And then they're liable to click it on and off a couple of times. And if they get to doing that very much, I know I need to get the hell out of the way. And I'm not going to hang around. But most of them have speakers on their barges, and they'll tell you if you're in the way. And I'm telling you, you'd be surprised how fast you get stuff reeled up if they tell you they're coming. Get the hell on on down the road. Because you can reel them up, or you can just take off and drag anchors or whatever. But if you got any sense at all, you'll get out of their way. And, and that's what we do. And I usually in a night tournament or a night situation, whether we're fun fishing or free fishing or whatever, we won't set out in a main channel, not even close to the main channel. I'll be finding a spot to fish where I'm not going to endanger either one of us or, or the boat or, or uh, take a chance on one of them guys miscuing and, and clipping us or something. That happened in St. Louis a few years ago. There was a gentleman that got caught by a barge and drug underneath of it and killed him, and, and we don't need any of that. Uh, nobody does, so I try to get as much of that. Uh, out of the way as you can, but yeah, a good good light spotlights. Everybody that's out at night should have a spotlight in their boat. Uh, you, you know, you can shine that at it and get somebody's attention. So if they don't see your your um, required light sticking up, then that spotlight will get their attention. I mean, if it hits them in the eyes or something, they will they surely understand that you're sitting there. Yeah, the uh, you know you're talking about barge safety. Um, you know the lights and all. I'm getting me a, uh, a, you know, marine radio before I go to Mississippi for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great idea. I think, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure, and I know a lot of people has a lot of of uh, mixed feelings about those radios. They're not that expensive, folks. They're, they're really not. You can get one, and it makes it real easy. If you want to lock through a barge, you can holler at them, and they'll tell you if, if they can lock you through or when they can lock you through or how long it's going to be before they can lock you through. You can, uh, If one's coming up the river, you can ask them before they ever get to you. If you're out of their way, if they can see you, they will tell you if you're out of their way or if you need to move. It, it, it's a safety thing, and that's, that's something that, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that shouldn't be a requirement for river fishing. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, any navigable water, that's the rules um, for being a guide. Uh, by the Coast Guard, if it's navigable waters, you must have a Coast Guard six-pack license. So anybody that's guiding without one is guiding illegally and just taking your money. So in return, why couldn't they add that to some of the rules they have and say if you're going to be on navigable water, 
you must have that. I wouldn't have a problem with that myself. No, if and it, yeah, I, I've got a buddy that's a, a Coast Guard captain on, on the Gulf of Mexico. He works for an oil company. Um, you know, and they run in and out of the Mississippi River out to those uh, oil rigs. Um, you know, he he explained it to me. the The antenna, if 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 everybody don't know, it's it's a line of sight. So what I'm saying, if you get the long whip antenna, it's gonna you're gonna get better, not better reception, because if you get the small ones with a booster, if it's within sight, you may get better reception with it. But you'll be able to reach out further with a tall one because things may be in the way that's blocking the smaller antenna. So the taller antenna you got, the better um, for for being able to reach people. Well, I, you know, uh, I know a lot of guys have told me that the little handheld units work fine, um, and I'm sure they do. They make everything that is electronic that's been built in the last 10 years every year they get smaller they get more powerful they're easier to use just like computers and, and depth finders and everything else but um, uh, I, I'm thinking an in-dash unit with a microphone or a you know just a hand mic like a CB radio or something would probably be the better way to go and those most of those if I'm correct you guys can correct me if I'm wrong but most of those require an external antenna which would get you out farther and uh, anything you do that will protect you and make it more safe for everybody uh, I'm all about that. Oh yeah and the weather band also I mean as fast as some of these storms come up like the one that came up on me Friday um, I mean I heard some thunder rumbling and next thing I know my truck was getting blowed off the interstate um, I had to take an exit because there was trees in the road I got off on an exit I thought I could get <clears throat> through the neighborhood I didn't know where I was at so I started using my map and I took these detours and every detour I took a tree was down and wow. I mean it's I mean the same thing can happen on the water you can be out there and storms have come over the bluff on me before and they're there as soon as you can see them it's too late um, you know and if you had that weather band radio you would know it was coming yep yep now um you, one of you guys may know. I I'm not enough familiar with that stuff to know. But um, does that weather band stuff come on them uh, VHS radios? Mine yes. has it. Yours yes. does. Yeah. Yeah, the ones I've been looking at, they do have them. Okay. Mine's got, mine's got a scan feature, so you know I can I can be in on 16 and and then if something else comes. Uh, up on the weather channel like a warning or something it'll break in okay, on good. What, what I'm scanning right good. and I've been in places that a radio may have worked I know my phone didn't uh, the GPS on my boat was um, you know spinning I mean my boat was just going everywhere on the GPS I guess I had one of the satellites being blocked with a mountain um, and we was on the Warrior River, and there was no cell phone signal at all, period. Um, you couldn't use even text. You couldn't make a phone call or anything. It's, and there are places like that, and you can get out there, you know, and you think, well, I got my cell phone. I'm good to go. Wrong. You get out there, and you're out of cell phone range. That uh, marine radio may, may be your best friend there for a while. 
I can see that. I can see that. All right. Anything else anybody wants to touch about on that subject? Okay. Chuck, what do you got for current events for tonight? Uh, we had, uh, Alabama Catfish Trail had a um, small little tournament on Lay Lake this weekend. We had a great time out there. Uh, I say I'm getting too old for these night tournaments myself. <laughs> the, um, you it ain't gonna get no easier, buddy. <laughs> no, you know you 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 know weigh in gets over two thirty three o'clock. You know, and you got an hour drive home, and you're used to getting up at four in the morning. Um, you know, it's very hard to get home, and that can be very dangerous too. Um, yeah. You know, I was prepared to pull over and sleep, or even sleep at the boat ramp uh, after weigh in if I didn't feel like you know trying the drive. Uh, last year I was coming home from a tournament on Wheeler, me and my brother, you know, at 4.30 in the morning, and I, we found out very fast, even us taking turns driving, was very hard making it home. We barely made it, and yeah. we was trying to keep each other awake and everything. It was a hard task, so, you know, every time there's a night tournament like the one I'm going to in two or three weeks, I won't be driving home after it. I will be sleeping probably you know, in, in my hammock or my cot or something at the boat ramp and, you know, wake up, may fish a little bit more, I don't know, but I'm sure not going to drive that tired anymore. Right, right. I, um, uh... That, that's all the current events we got down here. The, the They're coming off a of spawn. The bite's really good closer to the dams. Uh, you know, the dinks are hitting really good in the lake, but uh, seems like the, you know, the if you want to get some big ones, you might have to head up river to the, uh, you know, right below the dam should be your best chances right now. Since you brought that night tournament thing up, I want to get you guys' opinion on something. I personally do not like any night tournament where you take off in the dark or you come in in the dark. Um, my personal experience is if you're going to do a night tournament, I want to leave out and be at my places. I want to go before the sun goes down. I would assume not the tournament not be over until the sun is up in the morning. Uh, for my own personal benefit, I don't like coming and going in strange water, and most of the tournaments that you fish anymore are in strange waters. But uh, if you're coming in at midnight, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, there's no way that you can be 100% sure that you're not going to do something, get into something that you ain't supposed to be. And the other thing is, most of these tournament trails anymore have sponsors. They rely on you drawing a big enough crowd to justify them being a sponsor. And if you're having them in the middle of the night, I promise you there's very, very few people that's going to show up to see a weigh-in in the middle of the night. Now, there'll be a lot of them show up at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, but ain't nobody going to be there at 2 o'clock in the middle of the night. Doc, what have you... Go ahead. We, we have a few tournaments that are like that. Uh, Ohio Hills, it starts like at 7 o'clock. Uh, goes off at 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, it's it's hard for me to get home on those. Uh, the lake tournaments around here usually start at 6 or 7 o'clock, and they'll go till midnight or they'll go till 2 a.m. Uh, but me and Daniel, we just kind of limited ourselves, and we said, hey, if it's more than two hours away, we're not going. Uh, especially well, if it's a night. 
night tournament. Right. Yeah. If uh, you know, when I was a lot younger, it didn't bother me to stay up all night and do that kind of stuff. But uh, I can't do it anymore. The last uh, right. the last time that we had a really bad problem, we fished the TCC. TCCA tournament over in Peoria with Tommy Walsh and Timmy Walsh and all them guys and and that, that's a lot of fun fishing at Illinois River over there. I enjoy it so much. They have one of the one of the great uh, channel cat fisheries there is. Uh, they also have one of the great Asian carp fisheries as, as such as it is. But um, you know we got done with that at like two o'clock in the morning, and uh, we took off and drove home. And and uh, man, I had a heck of a time making it. I really did. Uh, we made it home without any issues. But uh, I would never do it again. If I'm going to do a tournament like that, that's any distance at all away from home, I will be spending the night and getting up the next morning and, and making the trip. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not a kid anymore, and there's no sense of me trying to pretend that I am. You know, all it takes is one little mistake. And you don't have to be the one making the mistake. Somebody else can make the mistake, but if you're tired, your yeah. your reflexes and your reaction may not be quick enough as it would if you was wide awake. Right, right. Chad Wall says all the night tournaments that he has are 12 hours, 8 to 8. I think that's a great idea, Chad. I really do. And if you have sponsors that are going to see the way in or TV stations or radio stations, they'd much rather be there at 8 in the morning than they would 2 in the middle of the night, I promise you. That's that's a great idea. All right, what do you guys do to prepare for post spawn? Now, when them when them fish come off that nest, most of them haven't had much, if anything, to eat in a couple of weeks, and they're ready to do some eating. Uh, yep. Do you guys do anything special to prepare for this, or uh, you just take something and throw it out there, knowing that they're going to take whatever you give them? Feed them fresh bait. Quality fresh bait. Yeah. <laughs> that's bloody, bloody that, fresh that, bait. That's right. That's the number that'll one. Bring that's right. And they should be, like Chuck and I was talking, they should be coming off the nest, not just down south, but pretty much anywhere in the next week or so. And uh, if you've got fresh bait in your area where them babies are, you should be gold. Is that right, Doc? Yeah, I like using the bigger bait because... Uh, if somebody's going to serve me a, a steak versus a hot dog, I can guarantee you I'm not going to be touching that hot dog. <laughs> I'm going to be going after that steak. So, you know, I'm trying to use big baits, big live baits, uh, and even big dead baits. So they're hungry. I mean, the males have been on that those beds for a while, and, you know, and it, that's what it's all about for, for them is start chowing down. I agree. I agree. What do you What do you think about that, Chuck? Yeah, he's exactly right. You know, them, them males. The males build the nest. They they lure they lure the female in, invite her in to have. You know, he guards the nest while she's laying. When she leaves, he fans the eggs, and he's mighty hungry after all that work. And um, you know, big a big old fresh piece of bait is exactly what he's looking for. I agree, and I think them females, when they come off of there, I don't believe they've been on the nest as long as the males, but I do believe that when they come off, they haven't had anything to eat for several days, too. Uh, 
one of the things that that I try to bear in mind is if you get a 50 pound female that's come off of a nest she would probably be a 60 pound female or close to it yeah. if she was fattened up under normal conditions would you guys agree with that yes yeah yeah they're, they're pretty skinny uh, on the post spawn they're <laughs> they're skinny even the males are skinny they you know, are. They'll, have, they'll have a 50 60 pound head but they'll have a body of a 30 pounder that's right and they're looking to replace that you know it's like going deer hunting and them guys them them bucks when, when them does and everything are rutting them bucks they won't eat they, they just chasing does 24 hours a day seven days a week until all the does are bred and they all get, are in their heat cycle and it's the same way with them guys they they don't bother nothing. The only reason they would bother anything to eat is if it happened to just float by me, thought it was detrimental to that nest, and they probably just kill it and let it go, or kill it and eat it, whichever the case may be. But they wanted away from that nest, uh, and and that includes other catfish. You know, they they don't want them guys in there either. That's some of the reason right. they get beat up like they do. But uh, yeah, I I, uh, I think uh, my personally, I think. Uh, a big old chunk of skipjack or a big old piece of shad, uh, moon eye, anything like that would do good. Uh, uh, I, I'm assuming uh, from what I have found around here that most of the channel cat are probably done, and I think the, the females are starting to come off off the nest, but it doesn't really matter. I think you need to be prepared with the best quality bait, and like you said, big pieces will be detrimental for bigger fish. Uh, not that you can't catch smaller or big fish on smaller pieces of bait, but uh, they're looking for a meal. They're not looking for a snack. Yeah, and I think that you know they're they're wanting to replace a lot of the um, you know the vitamins, amino acids, and stuff like that that their body has to have. And I think that's why fresh bait's so important this time of year because the fresh bait. It hadn't been depleted of all of its amino acids and stuff by being frozen. So you throw that fresh bait out there, it's got, you know, most of everything they need right there. Uh, even if they're not hungry and need to eat, their body's going to eat it because they need it. So right. th that's why, you know, the, you know I might have uh, frozen bait in the freezer right now, but, uh, you know, this is the time of year that it's at least – Two to one, fresh bait, you know, better than frozen to me. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. Our old buddy C. Miller from up in Iowa said that the the bite on the Keokuk pool has been really good for uh, the last week or two, and uh, you know, and they're they're catching some fish up there, so that's a good sign for all of us. And uh, you know, I know water temperature has a lot to do when they go on the nest, but once they start making them nests and then females start moving in, it's over. It doesn't matter if that water temperature drops, if it raises, if it stays the same. They're going to go ahead and finish doing what they started. Don't you yeah. think, Chuck? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They can't shut that on or off like, you know, turn a light switch or something. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys do for getting ready for the post pond? Just line up or anything? 
Uh, well, like this month, uh, this is my the spawn right now. It's kind of we're probably in the middle of it right now. And June is always the month that I always do my boat maintenance. Uh, I get everything done today. I spent uh, I change the oil on the engine, change the oil on the lower unit, cleaned it all up. Tomorrow, I'm uh, putting a new water uh, impeller in it and uh, new spark plug and that kind of stuff. Uh, so that uh, I'll be ready to go chasing as soon as this comes off of it. You know, Saturday, uh, Daniel and I are going to go fish a tournament. So uh, tomorrow I'll finish up all my maintenance items. But I get, you know, I just kind of go over the boat real good. It's, you know, midway uh, in the year, and uh, I don't want to be having no breakdowns or anything uh, as fall starts approaching. That, that's exactly right. And one of the things that I do every year uh, is pack the wheel bearings on the boat trailer, and I, I try to do it in the spring. Now, we make a lot of big runs like to Alabama or North Dakota or uh, down to Monsters or, you know, wherever it may be. And, and if I think that everybody should try to do that at least once a year. A lot of times we'll do it twice a year, and if you didn't do it right after the winter period where your boat had been setting now, between now and the time that fish come off the nest, will be an ideal time to jump on that, get it done. If you need something, get it fixed. If you don't need anything, then you're good to go with the new new service on the wheel bearings. You won't have to worry about that the rest of the year if it's done correctly. Yeah, you're exactly right. They, you know, there's nothing. You know, we ran into this Saturday night. It wasn't night yet, but, you know, it was during the night tournament. We had just got through uh, going after bait. We was heading our first hole. And here are these guys sitting there waving at us, you know, they're broke down the middle of the lake. Um, you know, they admitted, I knew we shouldn't have took this out. We couldn't even hardly get it started. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and here they are, that they're wasting people's time, uh, their fishing time. You know, you don't need to be, um, you know, a pain in nobody's butt when you get out there. Make sure your equipment's ready. You, you know, people's going to pull you in, but... You know, don't take advantage of it and, and go go try to have a good time on somebody else's dollar. You know, make sure your equipment's ready so you won't have to bother nobody. Get out there and have fun and make sure your equipment gets you back. Um, well, one of the things is if you go out there all the time and you break down and people put continually having to pull you in, it's like crying wolf. There'll be a time when there either won't be nobody there or they, they're tired of doing it. Exactly. You know, and I, I'm I'm not going to turn anybody down. You know, the way I think about it, you know, I told Craig Saturday night, he goes, the guy said, no, man, you're on a tournament. Go on, we'll flag somebody else down. I said, no, man, we're right here. We'll give you a jump. You know, I told Craig, I said, you know, if we do something good, maybe something good will come back on us. I said, so, yeah. you know, it's not going to take but five minutes. Let's help these guys out real quick. I said, they're not needing a pull or anything. So, uh, you know, we got them jumped off and everything, but... It didn't return back to me Saturday night, so hopefully it'll come back on me soon. <laughs> well, if, you, if you need it, you know, that's yeah. the thing. It, it doesn't have to be today or tomorrow, next week, next month. If you need it, you need it, and that's the time when you want to say, hey, remember when? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the way that works. That, that brings up something else I was going to ask you guys about. Uh, it was two or three shows ago when we was talking about some of this stuff. You mentioned giving this guy a jump. Now, personally, I do not have a set of jumper cables in my boat. Do you guys both keep jumper cables in your boat at all times? Yep. Yep. 
got a set that's in the back. Always, I always have them with me. I've had to jump so many people out on the river and out on the lakes before. I just started carrying them with me all the time. Well, that's a great idea. I, I have thought about getting a jump box, and I know you know what that is. Yeah. Uh, you just It's just a chargeable jump box that actually amplifies the amount of electricity uh, more than a battery, and you can jump start one that's completely dead, uh, but I, I think the uh, cables wound up in a spot that's not going to be using up a bunch of space would be something that probably be as uh, convenient as anything, and it's not something you'd have to worry about going dead or anything. You just hook it up and go. Well, the only the only thing that you got to be careful of is the same thing as if you're doing it on a on a vehicle. Uh, you don't want your boat touching the other boat when you go do that jump. So right, right, yep, yeah, and 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 uh, you wouldn't have that problem if one of them is a fiberglass. But why take the chance? There's metal yeah. on all of them. There's metal on the yeah. motor. There's metal, and a motor is is where you get the majority of your of your current going to for your starting battery. I mean, that's just the way right. that's where that's at. So well, why I, take the I, chance and do that? I carried a for years. I carried a jump pack, but man, them things just don't. It, now maybe the, they're a lot better than what they used to be, but uh, I was lucky if I could get two years out of one of the jump packs. Oh man, that would, you know, no more than you used one. That'd be a lot of money to spend constantly yeah, exactly. uh, going after one. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, so jumper cables. Yeah, no more than you're going to use them in a boat. That'll last you at least a lifetime of the boat, maybe more. Well, the the other thing is, if if you have if you run out of power, you know, I know most of us got all kinds of backups. I, you know, I can switch my batteries over and stuff like that. But a lot of times, somebody else will say, "Hey, have you got a set of jumpers?" And I'll give them my cables, and then they'll just jump from their trolling motor battery over to their uh, main starting battery, light it up, and then they give me the cables back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and and most of the time. When you jump somebody like that, they're probably not going to shut that baby off so they get back to the boat. Right, right. You know, if they do, I, I can't imagine why you would because uh, I have had that happen to me where batteries run dead. Uh, years ago, we had an old duck hunting boat that I used, and uh, Cindy and I would take it out once in a while go fishing in it, and we uh, took it out one night and run the, for some reason the battery just went bad on it it wouldn't start the big motor and and uh, uh, didn't have jumper cables and it had different connections on it than what it had on the trolling motor battery we ended up we started trolling about seven o'clock at night and got back in uh, way 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 we was a long way from the ramp we used and we got in at one or two o'clock in the morning I the trolling motor got so weak that it was still running but I had to paddle helping it you know to to get us back in, I don't think we'd ever get in at uh, that time of the night on on Truman Lake. There wasn't nobody in our area, and my God, it was it was something else. And uh, I won't tell you how that all come to play, uh, but there there is a story behind that. It was the first time Cindy had ever drove a boat, and and uh, we had a little issue there. But uh, you know, it uh, it was a fun night, and uh, I had an old dog with me. It throwed him plumb out of the boat up on the the sand bank, and and uh, he he just couldn't believe it. I he just stood there and looked at us like, "What the hell are you guys doing to me?" But uh, you know, it's one of them deals. And uh, we made it in, loaded the boat, and we were, everything was better for the for the end of it. 
Chad says he had a set of marine cables in a pouch, rolls up the size of a CD case. Uh, I've not seen those. I'd like to, Chad. That sounds like something that uh, would be uh, inexpensive and uh, don't take up any space and something like that. Probably everyone should have uh, to do that with. Uh, Chuck, you got anything else uh, for safety or current events or uh, anything you need to talk to us about? Yeah, I was wanting to go over some, uh, you know, hot weather fish care. Uh, okay. You know, right now is the time, you know, the water temperature is up around 80. So a lot of places are over 80. Um, you know, in some places going to be up in the 90s pretty soon. So, you know, frozen water jugs, if, if you fill up some... Uh, some old water, some old milk jugs and stuff, and you throw them in your your bait freezer, you know, and just throw them in the boat with you when you go out. Um, you know, you help keep that water down a little bit, especially fishing during the day. The, those live wells get very, very hot, uh, you know, during the day, even if you're, you know, circulating your water or whatever. Um, you know, if you're running down river for a long ways, you know you're not circulating very well. Um, you know, mm -hmm. keep, keep you keep you um, a gallon jug tied off in there. I use those little um, orange ties like Doc showed the other night. I got about 20 of them now. Um, I use them. Those things are nice, aren't they? Oh, they are. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, they're they're handy. I got them all over my boat. Man, I got. I, I, the other day I was getting too much stuff up in my. Uh, my bilge pump, I took a piece of that fiber, I wrapped it around the bottom of my bilge pump, I put it in my live well, and I just wrapped that orange tie around it, and it held it right on there, no problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, man, this thing, I mean, it, it's kind of taking the place of duct tape, I think. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, I've I got them all, yeah, I've got them all over the boat. I use them for everything. And it's better than duct tape because they're removable and don't leave residue. Right, yeah, and you, and you can... Tied two or three of them together if you need to. And, yeah. I've done that. Yeah, but the uh, you know the frozen water jugs and uh, if you need you know just evaluate if you think you need to get <coughs> oxygen, check on that. You can get some systems really cheap and reasonable. You don't have to go with all these big expensive uh, diffusers and stuff. Those diffusers. You know that you can get for ten bucks. That'll do do what you need it to do. Um, you know, give them enough oxygen to get keep them um, revived. Keep them frozen water jugs. Keep that water cooled down a little bit, and uh, get those fish back to the weigh-in and release better than you caught them. Yeah, I carry infrared uh, thermometer with me, so I just shoot the water see what it is initially when I fill up the live well I see what it is and then I try not to drop it any more than 10 degrees whatever it is you don't want to shock them too bad no but you know I've got that big Yeti cooler that's in the front now which that was one of the best things I ever bought because I can carry two or three jugs of frozen water in there and uh, along with my bait and everything else I need to those um, I, I've been watching a few YouTube videos that they when they're um, uh, testing those 
comparing uh, one cooler from the other, and, and those Jetties, they stand up very well. They are extremely expensive, but uh, if yeah. nobody takes it away from you or borrows it and don't returns it or however you want to phrase right. that, they would last you a lifetime, and they really do a good job. And there is other brands that are very, very comparable. Um, but as long as it never leaves your possession, it would be something great uh, for ice consumption. And, and you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize that if you have a block of ice and you drop it in there, that gives off a percentage of oxygen too, and uh, uh, that's really a good deal for all those fish. Uh, fish that that it's not getting enough oxygen. But uh, we use oxygen systems. We have a the stones that we use, I think, are five or six inches in diameter, and they run through an aeration line, which is no more than clear uh, aquarium tubing. And if you run an oxygen, you can have your tank set up in the front of the boat. You can have it set in the back. You can lay it down. You can do a number of things. Uh, just turn your uh, um, regulator on the lowest setting and let it go. I use two stones. I have one in the, in, in the front and the back. If we happen to get two big fish, I'll have one facing this way and one facing this way. Uh, and they both have the stone there. And the little ones, they can fight for themselves because I'm more worried about the big fish than I am the little fish. Uh, but if you have a circulation pump in there to where the water is constantly moving around in there, I think that makes a big difference. But uh, one of the things that I think that people don't 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 realize is getting fresh water in and the old water out. And I run a timer, ours is run on the timer, and uh, water, new water comes in and then there's an overflow or a, it's even got a pump on it. You can hit the switch and pump some out. But an overflow runs in and out and, and there's constantly fresh new water coming in all the time. So uh, that with all the other stuff, if you do some of that stuff, you'll never have problems. But uh, you've got to keep fresh water coming in there all the time where it gets stale. Yeah, last year... Yeah, I'm always changing. Last year, last year at a tournament we were at, um, you know, we we were one of the last people to weigh in. We were releasing our fish, and there was guys down there at the boat ramp filling up gallon milk jugs. Um, that You know, they were part of the tournament. Um, you know, that they filled their milk jugs back up and went home and froze lake water. Cause they, you know, they said they didn't want no chlorine at all in their live well uh, from any right. city water. So they, 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 they remembered to fill their gallon jugs up because they didn't live close to the lake. They filled them up and took them home and froze the lake water from the last lake that they uh, fished in. Um, you know, so they wouldn't be carrying chlorine home or have a chlorine to put in the live well um, and have to use water at home. So. That's the great idea. It'd be hard for me to remember. I'd have to, you know, put sticky notes all over the cab of my truck or something. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of guys uh, have well water, but there's very little oxygen in well water. Most people don't realize that because that stuff just sits there. It don't move around, and there's nothing to create oxygen for it. And I'm not saying it don't have some, but it's, it's a low percentage of oxygen in there, and that's why you need to... To, to have aeration stones and different things, and they make a million of them. Uh, Keep Alive has got some really good stuff, and they've got some filters and the pumps that, that actually make really small molecules of air that goes through the system, and it's a, it's a really good product. Uh, key, uh, there, what we do, 
uh, is freeze gallon milk jugs. And um, what I do. Yeah, and and there is a lot of stuff to do to get the chlorine out of them. You can let that set for a day. Um, I've always been told 24 hours is as long as it needs to set. The chlorine will dissipate. I'm not sure if that is correct or not, although I have done it uh, and let it set 24 hours and never have an issue. But what we do is I go to a, uh, and you can get it at the bigger Walmart stores that have the aquarium supplies. They got a little bottle, I don't know, it's probably four ounce, and it tells you how many ounces or drops of that per, I think it's a cap full for 10 uh, gallons or something like that and it will take care of any of the chlorine or anything like that in it and I usually uh, just fill the thing up and mix it all up and then dump my deals in there and pull them out and we wipe them off and put them in the freezer and we at any one time uh, one of our freezers got several of those jugs uh, if we're going on a long trip we'll put those in a cooler and then fill it up with cube ice uh, makes the ice last a lot longer and then uh, when you're in a tournament or something and you're worried about heat, you can drop one of those gallon jugs in there and it'll drop the temperature down a few degrees. And anything you do will help them out a great deal. Yeah, if you yeah. if you go, uh, Paul Strauth did a video on this stone from Fish Life in his aquarium in his living room. This thing is awesome. It looks like, um, I mean, it just turns the water into, it looks like milk. I mean, it, the bubbles are just so fine, it's unbelievable. I don't know the cost on this. Um, uh, my, you know, he's, he's a sponsor of mine, so he, he gave me this one to, um, you know, to use and, you know, to demonstrate for people. But uh, this is an excellent quality ceramic stone that really does the job. Do you have a dimension on that or a rough guess there, Chuck, of how big that is? I don't know. I was curious. It looks 12 inch. Let me get a tape measure real quick. Well, he's on it tonight, ain't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't have to go very far to do this kind of stuff. Evidently not. He's got right everything. There. He's got it all uh, right there handy. 12 inches uh, by two and a half. That's the size of the stone itself. That's Twelve inches will just about fit crossways in about any live well that I'm familiar with. Yeah, yeah. twelve inches by um, by two and a half. That's the stone itself, and I mean this booger will fog the water up. When Paul stuck it down in that aquarium in his living room, and uh, cut that regulator on that oxygen tank up, it, his whole aquarium just fogged up. It looked like milk. So. Sure. Um, Jason wants to. Jason Malone wants to know if they if they had that hooked up to to a air pump or if it was hooked up to an O2 tank. It was hooked to oxygen tank. Okay, so uh, you don't really. Did he say how much uh, uh, how high he had his regulator turned up? I can't remember on the video. I've messed with mine a little bit, uh, but <clears> there's no. You know, the one I've got don't really have a. You know, it's the, it's the lower value regulator that I was playing around with, but uh, I really don't have, you know, what I would just turn it up to where you know you're happy with it. You don't want to use a whole lot anyway. Um, oh. It don't take much, and when you get to weigh in and you're trying to get them out to get pictures, um, it's impossible feet if they're so pumped up. Um, you know, you just can't handle them. They're, well. they're so hyper, you can't. Uh, you can't get a good weight. They're bouncing around the tubs, and 
you can't hold them. They're just springing out of your arms. So, you know, I would I would just check them if they look like that they need help and and they're they're not looking real good. Just turn the oxygen on for a little bit. Keep an eye on them. Um, I wouldn't run it constantly, um, especially right before you go in. I would unless you're in way in line for a long time. Um, you know, I would still check it, cut it on and off, because when you get up there to get them out, I've seen guys have their hands full. Yeah. Word like, oh, he's, he's gone. Okay. Now you get a, well, he's, a couple of 70 pounders pumped up on some uh, oxygen. Yeah, yeah. That'd be Man. Tearing your hands off. Oh, yeah. Now, for, for, for people that don't know, this is an oxygen regulator. Uh, and, and they're all different. Some of them are, are a lot different than others, and some of them, but basically, they all do the same thing. Uh, you hook this up to your oxygen tank and you turn the tank on. This is th this gauge will tell you how much is, is in your tank and you hook this line up to your, your line that goes into your stone uh, or however you would disperse your, your oxygen. Now on this particular one, uh, I don't know how good you guys can see this, but uh, it starts out at zero and I turn it on one half. That's the lowest setting that is on this particular regulator. That's as high as I've ever used it. There's no sense to turn it on any higher. You can actually burn a fish's gills with too much oxygen, and that's the last thing you want to do. Our, our, the whole idea of tournament catfishing is catch and release these, these quality fish back so the genes can be passed along. So you don't want to do anything. It's kind of like holding one. When people grab up a big old fish and they hold it up by the gills, well, they might as well just kill it because you're damaging the apparatus that lets those fish breathe. But there's no, you know, and maybe on a hot day, if you can't get your water cooled down, maybe you want to turn it up to one. I, I see no reason. I've never had them come out of a tank with oxygen on them where they wasn't just rolling. I mean, they, they was a lot feistier when they come out than when they went in, so I see no reason for me to ever turn one up past the, the one-half setting. Uh, that's something that you would have to play with to get used to and, and deal with, but there's a lot of different oxygen regulators. There's a lot of different oxygen systems, and, and I'm not saying... Uh, that you have to have oxygen, uh, but you know it doesn't hurt anything. It's it's a preventative deal, and um, uh, I think that uh, if you have aeration and you have water circulation and you have uh, fresh water coming in and out of that tank, you'll probably be right. I know Rusty Board is, doesn't use a whole lot of any of that stuff. He has his set up on a timer, and I know Brett Riddle does the same thing. Fresh water coming in all the time, old water going out. It's a very simple way you do. You set that up on a timer with a with an inlet that comes through the hull of your boat, and it fills that up. And then you have some sort of a drain system to where when it reaches the point that you feel like that's as high as you ever want your water level, then it runs out, and it just works. I mean, that, it just does. Yeah, I, I use... Uh, I don't use uh, oxygen. I've got... Uh, I got four air stones in the back, in the bottom of my tank, and uh, being fed with uh, two uh, air pumps that are in the actually in the back of the boat, and then I've got the aqua lung that Steve Douglas come out with years ago. I'm still using that thing, but uh, I've got Jeremy, one. 
generally what uh, happens is they they will you can tell if you if it's doing real good because that's generally where they'll have their heads at. You know, if the air stones are packing good air, bringing out, and and you're trying to keep the bubbles as as small as you can because that that gives it more. You know, if you got really big bubbles coming off of it, they're they're just not holding the O2 like they should. So the smaller the bubbles, the better, uh, more saturation you're going to get in your water. That trying to keep that water cool. Cold air, cold water holds uh, more oxygen than warm water does. Uh, and and that was the whole point of of the video that Chuck was talking about that Paul did was how small and minute those bubbles was. And and I did see that and they was amazing. Pardon me, how small they was and and uh, there's some good videos out there. You just have to kind of search around to find it, but. Uh, the Keep Alive bait system that, that Dave Ashby sells is another one that has a real fine mist of stuff. But there's tons of them. You can make them. You can buy them. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. And you can add these systems to an existing tank. Dave and Teresa, check out their uh, Facebook page. They've done a really, really good uh, video on on building live wells and, and modifying live wells. If you get a chance, check yeah. those guys out. Teresa uh, explained that extremely well. Uh, and Dave done an excellent job of modifying that live well. That's one of the best videos on modifying live wells that I've seen, and I watch a lot of them. I really do because keeping these fish alive uh, is, is extremely important to me, and I think that everybody uh, everybody should be that concerned about it. Uh, Tony, you're going to have to help me out. I don't know what an e-tank is. That's the size of the tank. Oh, okay. That's probably okay. the small, the smaller. You've got the smaller tank, right? I've got two tanks. I have one that's about this long and about that big around, and then I've got one that stands about oh, I don't know, three and a half, four foot tall, and it's a little that's skinny probably thing. A D. Yeah, that's a D tank. Yeah, I don't. I didn't know they. You know, when I was in the garage business all them years, I bought the biggest ones ahead because we was cutting and heating and doing stuff yeah. all the time. Doing cutting, welding, and on different things, and uh, I had the big tanks because we went through a bottle a week, you know. But uh, for it, it don't take a very big tank to to last a long time in a live well, you know what I mean? Them things, you turn it down on a lower setting, and it lasts a long time. Justin Wolf says a lot of guys are putting float switches inside the live well pumps to get the water out. That's a great idea, Justin. That, that really is. Uh, mine's set up on timers and switches where you can turn them in and out. Uh, but either way, that would—that's a great idea. A float switch when you get it in there and pump that out of there. That'd be super. There's there's a size. Now this what, is the one from Fish Lot. <laughs> now what size is is it's that a D or a T or? Um, uh, it's a no idea. Doc might know what size that is. What size that is, Doc? Got it right up against my shoulder for size. Doc's gone. Doc's gone. Tony, Kate, and I know you're st you should be still be in there. Do you know what size by looking at it that that tank is? There's Doc's back again. Doc, can, back. You, can you look at that tank and tell about what size that is? Uh, what which tank? 
The one, the one showing the picture of. Oh, I didn't see it. You see the one I'm holding? Uh, no, I don't see anything. <laughs> All I see is Chuck. <laughs> well, he's got it right beside him. Uh, but yeah. you know that that's the size no, I of. I have one. That, I have a small one that time too. Yeah, I think the one that uh, I'm looking it up right now, one that uh, Fish Life has. I think they've got three different sizes. I got the. I think it's the smallest one. Uh, Cliff Miller says a Keep Alive website has a deal that will tell you uh, how long each tank will run on a particular setting. Now that would be a chart that would be extremely helpful. Thank you, Cliff, uh, because you know if you have that size that Chuck has, and that's about the size of the smaller one that I have. Uh, if you was running it on a certain setting and uh, you knew for a fact that it would last so many hours, you could say, well, I can go two, three, four trips out, or I can only go one, how, however long it would be, and you know roughly how long uh, that would last. Tony says that he thinks that's a B tank. You see, it's yeah. got, I love this. I love this bracket. It's got. It's like a fire extinguisher, and there's no way it's gonna come out of there. And you're not gonna have it rolling around your boat or you know anything like that, man. It's, right. it's a really you nice had, bracket. You had that down at uh, at the catfish conference when we was doing the show down there, Chuck. And I was so impressed at the quality of these guys' products. And, and it's uh, it's not just the the quality of that tank or the bracket. It's every product that Keep Alive makes that uh, our fish life. They have some really good stuff. They got some stuff that you can put if you uh, get a fish and and you catch this baby and it's it's uh, uh, bleeding really bad. You can throw this stuff on it and it'll slow it down or completely stop it. They got stuff to put in your your uh, live well tanks and stuff. It it really really, I mean it's awesome stuff. You guys need to check out uh, their website and go down there and tell them you've seen them on Catfish Weekly because it really really works good. We've got Cindy's interest up. She come out here and grabbed my big tank, and she's packing it around trying to see what size it is. Uh, they don't weigh anything. Even when they're full, they don't. But I'm, I'll look on this up. Hell, I don't know what size it is. All around the top. Of the All around the top. Well, I think that's an E that you got right there. This is an E. Yeah, I don't see nothing on it. It says even my glasses on. But, uh, you know, this thing here... When it was full, we used that thing all summer, and it would—it probably would have still had uh, use in it, but some dummy forgot to turn it off. Uh, that dummy would have been me, uh, and that's what happens more times than anything. I think is people forget to shut them off. Yeah. Justin Wolf says an e-tank would be overkill unless you have the extra room in your boat because size uh, are plenty. And that's probably right, but you know, uh, if you got one or whatever, uh, you know, I I wouldn't go out and buy a special tank. If I had one, I'd be using what I have. But like I say, I have a small one. I can't one Chuck's got. In fact, might even be a little smaller than that. I I'd have to get it out and find it. And uh, the other one that I have uh, is the one that Cindy brought over here. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, those realistically, you could you can take that one there and. And uh, attach it up to the um, running board or running board phew, uh, uh, rod rack, and uh, you know 
uh, attached the bottom to the side of the boat, attached the top to the rod rack. It's right there, easy to get. They don't uh, heat doesn't seem to affect them in any way, shape, or form. And uh, like I say, we use it all year. And if I had got to shut it off, it'd probably still be good. Now I need to get it filled up again because uh, as soon as we get a chance, we're gonna, we're back at it. I, I'm just sitting in this house. If I get my back stop hurt, I'm gone. Yeah, I mean you only got to get through <laughs> the tournament, so the smaller is the better. That's right. Yeah, and and you know. Uh, I, I tell you something that, that I believe in, and a lot of guys, we've talked about this before a couple of times. Uh, I think when you get a big fish, and, and consider this right now, these fish are coming off spawn. They're worn out. They're hungry. Uh, they've been fighting and digging and trying to prepare for a, for a, this spawn to come on for a couple weeks before and during, and now they're coming off and they want to feed up, and then you take them and you fight them for... 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes getting them in the boat. If you have a setup like that where you can put them in there and let them rest up before you release it, I honestly believe that that is a great idea just to set them in that live well and let them settle down a little bit, let them build back up, and before you release them, and, and they'll be just as happy when you release them as they was when you caught them, and they'll be swimming off and no harm, no foul. I, I, I like putting them in a live well, especially on a bigger fish, and letting him regain his... Uh, composure before I release him. Yeah. I think that's what Mark did with his. Uh, I think Vince had the O2 system set up in his live well and he went on ahead and put right. him in there and they just, you know, made sure that he was in good shape and he said he swam right away. Uh, that's that's the, that's the correct way to do it and uh, that's awesome that they done it that way. Those guys uh, work with the, and, and folks, that's what we got to do. We got to work together. To save these fish, uh, however we got to do it, if it's in a tournament or, or if you're just out fishing and you see somebody with a big one, if they don't have something like that, uh, you know, it's it's just a great idea to, to do whatever you can do to protect these fish. Can a guy shock a fish by pulling it from warm water and throwing it in a live well with ice? I would say yes. Yes. If it's too cold. Yeah, and that's, that's why I always say don't get that water less than 10 degrees than what it already is. That, that's a, I think that's probably a great rule of thumb, Doc. I really do. Uh, Chuck, you don't ever get your fish, your water, uh, that much difference between the, the more than 10 degrees, do you? No, I never. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. And uh, I, I think that uh, that's a good idea. I really do. Uh, you know, if you got a, you know, how big a live well is in your sea arc, Doc? Uh, the one I've got. Uh, my drop in is 125. Okay. And Chuck, so, how big is yours? Uh, about 75. Okay. If you got. Now, you're not ever going to fill them things all the way up, no, you know. No, no. People don't understand that, but most of them live wells got 6, 8, 10, 12 inches of water in them. So you're half or less uh, of what the capacity of that thing is. Uh, so if, if you change that water and keep it changed every 20 or 30 minutes or something like that or adding water and letting it run out constantly, the water should maintain a really close uh, temperature to what the water is you just pulled them out of. Now, granted, uh, 
the water down deep is going to be a few degrees colder than what it is on the surface. And that brings up another good point, which that's part of my tip, and I'll, I'll give you some information on that after when I go ahead and do that. Okay. Uh, Tony Caton says uh, that he killed a live well full of bluegill by putting them in uh, a live well with a big difference in water temperature. Uh, that's a no-no, and I agree. I, I agree 100%. Uh, I, I just don't see... Uh, the oxygen rule of 10 degrees, I think, is probably spot on, probably as close as, as uh, anything that, that I know of that anybody's ever come up with. I'd say if you can maintain 10 degrees or closer between the water temperature, that that would do it. Yeah, uh, the only time you do it is when that water is hot. And that water is in that, you know... 80, 80 to 90 degree range. Once right. it starts getting back down to 75 and stuff like that, then you don't have to do that anymore. Right. Cliff Miller says that Keep Alive, the KA906 is the smallest tank that they have, will run 90 hours on a 132nd IPM, and that should, that's probably the lowest setting on the uh, on the regulator, I would guess, and that tank is 11 Point eight tall and 21, 0.21 diameter, uh, so that's a very small tank, and it'll run 90 hours. So, like I say, uh, oxygen, unless you're getting medical oxygen, oxygen doesn't cost very much. The tank costs a lot more than the oxygen does, and uh, you know, it, it, and I'm not saying everybody's got to run out and get an oxygen tank because you don't have to, uh, but if you have one and you want to set them up, it is a security feature, especially in extremely hot weather. There's no reason I ever see to use one when the water temperature is cool. Uh, you guys got any input on that? Now, as long no, as you I'm keep good. that water fresh and flowing and, and you got to keep that ammonia out of there. You know, right after you put them in there, they, they, the first thing they do is they empty their self out. They, you know, that's when you find all them creepy critters floating around in there the next day. Um, you know, they you know, they go ahead and regurgitate, they pee, uh, you know, and it's full of acids, ammonia. Yes. Yep. That's what's going to damage your fish. Yep. You've got to keep that water clean. Uh, you got to keep it flushed, you know. So if you've got an overflow, like I was talking about, and, and you're pump leak, you know, and you're pumping water in and, and it's uh, overflowing at a certain level and running right back out into the lake. You know, that's about the best safety measure you can have is keep that water constantly circulating um, and have the, the, uh, the batteries to be able to do that. I really well, think that if the water's moving, it will cool it somewhat, you know, in a contained yeah. area. Right. You know, you know, most I use, I carry, I'll carry, like mm -hmm. this weekend, I'll carry probably four jugs with me, but I'll probably only use maybe one or two. Uh, even though I got an aluminum box and it's silver in color, it reflects a lot of that heat. I mean, you know, we've opened that thing up and it's just amazing. The outside can be 90, 95 degrees. The inside, nice and, you know, it's right around 80 degrees or so. Yep, I agree. Uh, so. And, you know, my truck box is a shiny and, and it reflects a, a high percent of the sunlight. And, uh, it's not that detrimental to us. Tony said that that is not I 
LPS that I read. It's an LPS, and that stands for liter per minute. That's a bad on me. And uh, Cliff Miller says that he was sorry. He it was a misprint. It's 3.21 in diameter, which would looks like it'd be about the size of the tank that that uh, Chuck had there. And yeah. uh, one one thirty second is a very low uh, output, and that is correct. And it's 68 hours on a 16th, 1 16th uh, liter per minute. Uh, but 68 hours is a lot of tournament fishing. Yeah. See, now, on my, <laughs> on my setup, I've got uh, I, my research pump runs full time. It never shuts off. So right. if I've, I've got that aqua lung on, it's sitting there running the... Air the air pumps are sitting there running all the time, the entire tournament. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that's a smart thing to do. Jason Malone says the same. The tank Pete. The sneaky Pete nitrous system. Well, I don't know. We on um, the last thing that I had had nitrous on it had had a 600 uh, horsepower setup with three stages on it. So uh, there was nothing sneaky about it. It didn't run through a tank at night. So. Wasn't a big deal. Justin says that recirculation pump uh, that just pumps through the live well. Yeah, that's we was talking about that, and that's exactly uh, exactly right. Now, uh, Doc, you mentioned uh, your your uh, filter kit from from Steve. Uh, yeah. I ha I have one of those. I've had one for a long time. I've done some swapping with the guy years ago, and and, and got it. Now uh, I'm going to tell you what I do as far as filtering that thing. And you can tell me if I'm all wet or not. But what what I do is I take that bottom of that thing off, or where you slip that cartridge filter down in, and I don't use that cartridge filter. Yeah. I fill it up about three quarters of the way with the little pebble stones that you get to put in the bottom of aquariums. Yeah. That's what I use in it. And then I put a bunch of little uh, cut filter things out of. Uh, that rough abrasive stuff and stick it in on top of there and that catches the big stuff and then about once a once every two or three trips I'll take the stones out put them on the driveway wash them down with a water hose and put them back in there I've got a bag of them suckers that I've had for two or three years you don't ever use you know you just wash yeah. the stuff off of them and I promise you uh, water coming out of the Mississippi River when it's muddy in 30 minutes to an hour, you'll be able to see the bottom of that thing doing that, and you don't have to buy yeah, them expensive cartridges. Right. It'll clean it right up. I've got zeolite in mine, uh, yeah. and it's probably, you know, they're real small, but they've also got carbon, so, you know, that carbon will grab that ammonia and that kind of stuff. But it's it's like Chuck said, you know, you got you got to keep that water clean. It's, you know, when they start regurgitating right. stuff and, you know, and the other thing that a lot of people need to do is you need to open those live wells out loud because that ammonia comes out of there, it turns to a gas, and you want to get it out of that live well. So open the live well, let a little, let that air get in there. I'm constantly checking on fish when I'm doing oh, it a me lot too. of time. You know, you will open that live well up and you can smell that ammonia that's in there. Well, when you open that live well up, that allows that ammonia to to uh, get out of there. The big thing about ammonia is what does it, what attracts it, and that's water. So if they release it, it comes out, and if you got the live well closed up tight, then it's going to go right back into the water. So That's right, and if you just open that up every once in a while and check your fish, because if i got fish that I think is going to do me good to tournament, there's 
man, I'm checking them babies constantly. I don't want them to get in any kind of trouble at all. And every time you open that up, that lets a lot of that out of there. Uh, yeah. You can yeah. leave it partially open so it can escape out of there. Ammonia will hurt you bad uh, if you've got a bunch of uh, stuff in there. It really will. Uh, it's a bad deal. Justin Wolf says he has a big live well with the Aqualung system in it, and I know that he has this. I've seen it. It's very well made, and he has it for sale. So anybody is looking for an external uh, uh Live well to slip in a boat for tournament fishing. Contact Justin. He'll set you up. He's had this thing for a few years. I've seen him use it for a long time. Never, I've never seen Justin lose a fish with that. So it would be a good setup if, if you're looking for something like that to preserve your fish. Uh, Tony, I did hear about the, the young man that caught the 117-pound blue uh, out of Lake Gaston. Uh, last weekend. I didn't say anything about it because there was so much negative stuff uh, about the fish being killed and it is a shame. It's a crying shame that that fish lost its life. But that young man caught that fish. He caught it legally. He done everything it was supposed to be and that is his choice to do. Not that I agree with it, but I got tired of reading the rhetoric about that kind of stuff and there's no one in the world that believes more than me that we should save as many of the big fish as we got. But folks, as long as they're doing it legally, don't slam a young man that's, I, I don't remember what the, that boy's age was, but he wasn't very old, teenager. And he caught a 170-pound fish. Man, pat him on the back. Don't get on him because he killed the fish. You know, he'll learn not to do that kind of stuff. And maybe it's the fact that that fish just exhausted itself and they didn't have a way to take care of it and it, and it died before they got something done. I don't know what the case was, but I, I really got uh, bent about seeing people slam that young man for catching that fish and the fact that it died. Uh, they don't all survive. I don't care who it is or what it is. Uh, we work really hard and all the tournament directors work really hard. I've mentioned this before. I don't know anybody uh, that does a better job of that than Brad Kilpatrick, Kansas City Catfish. He just absolutely slaves himself to, to try to save as many of these fish as he can. You're going to lose a fish once in a while. That's just part of it. Uh, but as many as we, everyone we save is that many more breeders that we got going back in, into these water systems. Exactly. All right. know, he caught it from the bank, too. Yeah, off a dock, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. You know, this, this I, I don't know, but at 15, Tony says he was 15. Uh, very happy for that young man. That that may or may not be the biggest fish he catches in his lifetime, and he's got them pictures when he's telling his grandkids about them, and they say, there ain't no fish left. There ain't no fish that weighs 117 pounds. The biggest one we got is 30 pounds. Well, that's because nobody ever throwed any of them big ones back. That's why we're having problems with that now. But he can pull that picture up and say, you know, I want to show you boys. This is what I caught when I was your age, and there's nothing, nothing to be more proud of than that. And, and I, I, you know, uh, yeah, you're right, Tony. There's no reason for them to be mean. That's for sure. Uh, teach them and and try to educate them. And chances are he'd never do that on purpose. I, I feel I didn't ever catch the whole story, but I can't imagine anybody uh, uh, doing something like that. And and I can only imagine the excitement. I've never caught a fish that big, so I'm sure he was wound for sound when he got that baby up on there. Hmm. All right. Uh, what do you got for closing statements tonight, Chuck? Uh, I don't have anything for tonight. Okay. 
All right. Well, I'm sure Doc has some information he'd like to share with us from the weekend, and then uh, we always got Doc's tips of the week. Yep. All right. Let's go over some uh, tournaments. Catfish Country. I don't know where it, it, it was on the Ohio River, but I don't know where it came out of. But uh, first place was Tim Mulliville and Grant Wilson, 75-pound. Big fish with 24 pounds. Second place, Scott Wilson, Ray Butler, 51.6 pounds. Uh, third was Mark Lavelt and Ryan Lawrence, 51.55 pounds. So they were they were only uh, five one hundredths of a pound from second place. So, wow, uh, that makes a difference. That's close. Yeah, so, yeah and and really uh, that kind of reflects that the. the Spawn uh, is not uh, really heavy up here right now. It may be over. Um, here's another one. The JKV Tournament Series. Uh, that was out of Leavenworth, Indiana. First place was Casey Cutro and John Lee Masters. 120.3 pounds. Second was Dale Kearns and Greg Edwards. They had 94 pounds. But they backed up at 94 pounds with a big fish, which was a 44.13 pound flathead. Uh, third was Stephen Faucher and William Thomas Thompson, uh, 75.9 pounds. Uh, 40. They had 46 bo boats in that tournament. Their next tournament is going to be held on July 30th, and that's going out of the Hossville Ramp. There in Kentucky, just below Candleton Lock and Dams. Last one I've got here is the Cabela's tournament, which was held in Chester, Pennsylvania. First place was Roy and Josh Trainer. They had 31.88 pounds of fish. Second was Carl Morris Jr. and Rob Parsons, 27.54 pounds. Third was Andrew Kranowski. Uh, I'm not sure who his partner was. I didn't write it down. But they had 26.56 pounds of fish. Big fish was a Stance, Stanley Cupsey Jr. and Jim Montalone. Uh, the big fish was an 8.88 pound. Uh, I'm assuming that's a channel cat. So there is a tournament this weekend uh, here on the Ohio River going out of Riverside Ramp. Saturday, June 25th. It's a Whiskey City Catfish Club, Riverside Ramp at 7 a.m. to 3:30 p.m. Doc's tips for the night. We've been talking about uh, these fish uh, in the warm water and stuff like that. But uh, one of the things that, uh, when the water gets hot, don't get in any hurry to bring these fish up. Uh, what you want them to do is you want them to blow off that. Air. A lot of times if you bring them up too fast, then they get the bends and then they get in trouble. But um, if you do bring them up too fast, I've got a little tool I've had for a long time. I don't know if you can see this because I'm using my phone camera. But uh, this is a 22-inch a piece of Teflon. You can use PVC, and I call this my, burp, my burping stick. Uh, what you want to do is round off the end and then what you can do is take that catfish and you can open his mouth and you can push this down in there and very gently start rotating it over and you can just 
it'll go open up and go right into their belly, and you'll you just literally burp them out. This is a manual way of doing it, and I've I've you know sometimes I'll bring a fish up a little too quick, and you'll see them floating belly up in the live well, and if they do that, I burp them, and usually that gets that air out of their belly, and they're good to go. So that's Doc's tip for the night. That's a great tip, Doc. I've been keep one of those. What I have is a is a piece of milking hose. It's clear vinyl tubing. Use it the same stuff to to plumb my live well and things. And and you're right, chamfer the outside edge of that baby and just work yeah. it down in there. And you see it. Biggest a lot thing of times, is spinning it. Yeah, you just need right. to spin it so you're not you know jamming it down in there. You just want it nice and easy, and it'll work its way right down into that belly. Right, and a lot of times they'll be swelled up, and when you get that down in there, it, they, when it burps, they'll just kind of relax, and, and they'll yeah, look like they lost a half a pound, and they're good to go. That's exactly right, yeah. so that's a great tip. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. Cliff Miller, you're correct. Sometimes big fish just get stressed, and, and 117 pound will tell on that lake. They'll tell them how old that fish was, so uh, that that's a good thing. Twisted Cat Outdoors is going to be holding a tournament July 9th. It has $2,000 added money. The blues should be off. The flatheads are probably going to be off the nest by then. should be a great uh, tournament to fish. Uh, Alex is doing an outstanding job. He's been working real hard to get this thing going. Uh, the town indicated that it would be a good year to have some extra money, so they're tossing her in there, going to give us something. There will be food for sale. Uh, by the high school cheerleaders, uh, and Alex is going all out of the way and set up for this, so he's looking to make it a big look, big fine deal. Alex Nagy has done such a great job with this this thing, and and he's doing everything to make it bigger and better all the time. So uh, July the 9th at Warsaw, Illinois. Uh, I have a couple other things here to tell you about. Uh, Joel Roberts had sent me a message: Kansas City Catfish Call Point Tournament. Uh, I didn't. He didn't tell me what day it is, but it must be this weekend. Would be my guess. Uh, I sent him a message, but didn't get a reply. So you guys in the Kansas City area, get a hold of Brad Kilpatrick or some of them guys if you want to fish a tournament at a call point. Should be a good time up there. Uh, one more here. Oh, the Bruce Midkiff tournament in Hallsville, August 27th. Don't forget that if you guys want to go down there and jump in on that, it'd be a great time to go down there. Uh, Jerry, did you have any tournaments going on in Texas this week? I know you're in there. It'll take him just a second, maybe if he's got one, but I don't think they do, uh, or he would have told me about it. They have a lot. They're really them guys down in Texas are really working hard to get their 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 stuff lined out to to make Texas known for catfishing. And, and before we get off of here and and, and sign off, I'm going to tell you uh, there's a lot of quality fish that's being caught in Grand Lake of the Cherokees down in Oklahoma, and you hear very little about that. Uh, nobody has big tournaments going out of there. It's a very big lake. It's 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 like a lot of the big lakes. Uh, there's a lot of wind effects on that thing. Uh, none, no more till October. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't see or hear of anything going out of there. 
that would intrigue me to go down there, and I'm very surprised because there's a lot of quality blues and flatheads in that lake, so uh, maybe it's something some of these tournament directors ought to look into. With that being said, I think that'll do it for this evening. For Chuck Davison and Doc Lang, I'm Lyle Stokes. Thanks for watching Catfish Weekly. We'll see you next Monday night at 7 Central.